Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome back to another episode of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty Jackson State Tigers. I am the Corey C. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all future episodes. Apple Podcasts and Spotify video users, rate and review the show. And everyone, go follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. And today we are joined by a special guest. He is no stranger to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Whenever we call on him, he's right there, always uh, willing and ready to share his knowledge of our upcoming opponent, Tennessee State, in the Southern Heritage Classic. Of course, he is the great Mike Oregon of the Tennessee, who is approaching 40 years at the publication. So first of all, congratulations on an amazing tenure. Thanks, Corey. Glad to be back with you. All right. So obviously the, the big one. All right. We both both teams, both fan bases circle this game on their calendar every single season in the past couple of seasons that a hype has increased to another level just with the, the star power on the sidelines in terms of the head coaches. We'll get to that in a second, but I definitely want to get your thoughts on, on this team. But first, let's just preview or let's just go back and take a look at your season opening loss to Eastern Washington. Uh, put forth a great effort, but the team came up a little bit short. So what are your quick thoughts on that game? Well, I thought I was impressed by the way the offense came out strong. <clears throat> I mean, you come out with a 67-yard touchdown on your first play, but they kept it up after that. I mean, that, that might have been a little bit of a fluke, that very first play, but they kept it up and continued to, to, to play well uh, into the second quarter. Uh, there was a lull, however, uh, toward halftime that spilled over into the uh, – third quarter that uh, they just weren't able to overcome uh, the rest of the way. And that was disappointing for them because it was an offensive law. It was uh, a couple of turnovers on back-to-back possessions and some really silly penalties uh, for over a span of five plays at one stretch. Uh, and these are things that Eddie George uh, has d- determined that he's going to clean up uh, with the uh, with the discipline that he's trying to instill in this team. And that was a big fallback there. And it cost them the game. Uh, mm-hmm. They uh, they were not able to come back. As you mentioned, they gave uh, Eastern Washington a scare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the game ended with an interception at the uh, Eastern Washington – I mean, at the yeah, at the Eastern Washington 10-yard line. So they were threatening Tennessee State was to tie or win the game on a two-point conversion. But uh, that that middle part of the game, it was was disappointing, and they can't have that against Jackson State. Uh, last year, we saw that when uh, Dion was just first putting this team together, and uh, uh, they had a lull in the second half, and Jackson State put up four touchdowns on them. So this week, it's going to take a complete four quarters. 
Right. You mentioned that Lowell in the middle of the game, second and third quarter, not able to put any points on the board. But despite that, definitely some bright spots for the team offensively racked up 547 yards uh, total of total offense, 290 on the ground and then another 257 through the air, averaging 6.8 yards per play and even outgaining Eastern Washington. And then our TCU, uh, from a defensive standpoint, limited Eastern Washington to 126 yards on the ground. So that has to be something that Coach George can build upon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, coming out of last season, he uh, he liked the balance. He wanted balance on this team. Uh, obviously, any any George coach team is going to run the ball uh, well, but he wanted equal balance of run and pass. But he felt like they were too slow last year uh, in terms of getting get get the playoff. So he sped up the pace. Uh, spent the some the the spring uh, instilling a new, installing a new D, uh, offense that uh, no huddle and uh, uh, picking up the pace. So everybody was, including Eddie George, were, was eager to see how that offense performed. And you mentioned the balance. It was still there, and it was more productive than it was at any point last season. Mm-hmm. So they were happy about that. Uh, and, uh, again, the, the, the only problems was the penalties. Uh, last year they started the season with 18 penalties, 150 yards. This year they start 12 penalties, 95 yards. Mm-hmm. He definitely was disappointed in that because they had gotten better throughout the course of last season with their penalties and their mistakes, and uh, that was a setback there. And it turned out to be a setback they couldn't overcome. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that balance, starting with the quarterback. Tennessee State is led by Austin P. transfer Draylon Ellis. And uh, uh, fun fact, he is a junior from Olive Branch, Mississippi. So he is from the SIP. I'm pretty sure he'll have a lot of fans in the stands for that game. Obviously, not far. I mean, Olive Branch and Memphis pretty much, uh, you know, they're just right on the border of, of each right. other. So not far drive. But he beat out Auburn transfer Shaheel Garnett who actually started a game in the SEC last season for Auburn. So that's impressive. So how was that camp battle, and does Ellis seem to have uh, maybe solidified himself as the starter? Oh, yeah, it wasn't much of a battle. When okay. when, when Draylon showed up, uh, pretty much everybody knew. Eddie didn't come out and say it. Uh, you know, he, he said there was a battle going on, but everybody knew that it was going to be uh, Draylon uh, Ellis, that he had uh, – he came here with the uh, the idea that he was going to be the starter. He had already proven himself, thrown for over 3,800 yards in two seasons at Austin P. was the OVC newcomer of mm-hmm. the year, co-newcomer of the year, and the uh, OVC, uh, all-OVC second-team quarterback last year. So for the first time uh, in, I would say, 10 years, this team came in – Knowing this offense came in knowing who its quarterback was wow. and with confidence in that quarterback. They've come in with returning starters before, but not quarterbacks that they had confidence in. Mm-hmm. And for, so for the first time since Mike German was here in 2012, this offense came in knowing that Draylon Ellis was a quarterback and with confidence in that quarterback. Mm-hmm. And from the running back position, obviously a familiar name, uh, Devon Starling. He led all TSU rushers again in yardage. Uh, 207 yards on the ground, had a touchdown, 8.3 yards per carry. Uh, And I think, this is my personal opinion, I think he'll probably be the toughest running back that we, Jackson State, will face all season. And uh, between him and uh, your quarterback, a lot of observers will probably say that if you can stop those two, you can stop Tennessee State. But that's much easier said than done. So just talk about the importance of those two. Well, you mentioned fun fact, uh, another fun fact. Uh, Draylon Ellis shared the OVC Newcomer of the Year award mm-hmm. uh, two years ago with Devon Starling, the mm-hmm. uh, running back that you mentioned. Devon lost his starting position in the preseason camp 
Hmm. Uh, he was been the leading rusher for the last two years, had 1,400 yards rushing uh, combined over the last two years and came and injured his shoulder last year and had to go undergo surgery in the offseason. So he missed spring practice. And he maintained his uh, uh, starting position coming out of spring. His number, you know, he was at the top of the depth chart. And I think he thought to himself, well, you know, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going to be the starter. Mm. So he came into preseason camp with that mindset. And that wasn't the mindset of the coaching staff. They demoted him to second team. And I'm not so sure he was at third team. They never wow. really said this. But Mike Mitchell, a running back from Temple, had a better camp than uh, uh, Devon did. So he was down. Uh, now, he was the first running back off the bench against Eastern Washington, and he came in on the third series. And you can see that they had de- the uh, staff had definitely gotten his attention because he came in strong. Uh, I think he ran for seven yards on his first carry and uh, ended up having, I believe, uh, four carries for over 20 yards, a long touchdown, and as you mentioned, a career-best 207 yards, I think, on 25 carries. So uh, whatever they did, they got his attention, and mm-hmm. – uh, uh, you know, Jackson State uh, will we'll have to pay for that a little bit because he'll come in strong for this game. Plus, he played in this game last year, so he knows how tough it is. Mm-hmm. And and from the first game, from the looks of it, two other names that Jack State will have to watch out for are at the wide receiver position, Cam Weiss and also Zach Dobson. They seem to be Ellis's primary targets, both big playability and can take it to the house. I know you mentioned that first touchdown, but they both had 60-plus uh, yard TDs, mostly on uh, Yak, uh, yards after the catch. So let's talk about that wide receiver room as well. Yeah, all of Zach's were basically on a yak because the uh, touchdown was a shuffle pass. So he, he mm-hmm. went the whole way, 67 yards uh, running. Uh, but, you know, he, you mentioned his primary targets, and they were in that first game. But we all thought that going in, J.J. Holloman would be his uh, primary target. J.J. Mm-hmm. Holloman is a uh, transfer Georgia. from uh, – he played one year for uh, Florida International, FIU. But he, he was uh, he would have been Georgia's leading mm-hmm. receiver had he wow. returned for wow. his junior year two years mm-hmm. ago. He's he is a stud. Uh Eddie George calls him a grown man. Uh mm-hmm. uh he looks different than the other players on this team. Mm-hmm. He's uh developed uh and just a skilled player and we were surprised and apparently Easter Washington knew something because I think they targeted him on uh defense and doubled him a little bit. Uh, I don't even think he had but one pass right. thrown to him, maybe two. Mm-hmm. But uh I think that uh you'll you'll probably see the offense do some things to try to get him the ball this week, along with the other two that you mentioned. Uh Cam Weiss looked great, Zach Dobson looked great. So uh uh you, you'll want to watch those three and you'll want to watch the tight end, Josh Trueheart, because Ellis likes to throw to this tight end, does a lot of play action. So I think we'll see more of that. I think Trueheart only had one catch, but you'll see more of the tight end in, in play this week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm switching over to the defensive side of the ball. I think the leader for the TSU defense going into the season was probably expected to be James Green, the linebacker, uh, all-conference honors, led the team in tackles last season, think about 77 tackles. Now, he didn't play last week due to an injury, so any update on his status and what is the team missing without his presence? All Eddie said is that we're completely healthy, so that would indicate that James Green will be back, but that specifically he hasn't said that. Now, what he could have been talking about was the fact that they lost six players during mm-hmm. this game uh, to Darius Patterson, uh, to Ray Jones, JJ McClendon, uh, Josh, uh, Josh, uh, Bryant and uh, Devon Hawkins. And they got everybody back except for Hawkins came back and uh, was ejected for a targeting call. And Jay Sean Bryant uh, didn't come back and McClendon didn't come back. But Eddie said yesterday that we're healthy and everybody will be back. Uh, 
saw a big drop off in that first game. Obviously, when you lose six uh, starters like that, uh, and you're already missing your uh, leading tackler from last year, so the defense came out looking very good, uh, looking like it did at times last year when it surprised a lot of people by how good it was last year, and uh, uh, played well until they started uh, losing players. A couple of those that we believe were uh, uh, just uh, you know first game of the year cramps, issues, that kind of thing is a day game, uh, 86 degrees, I think, when it kicked off. So that could have been the issue there, but uh, no long-term injuries for the others. Uh, it was a defense that, you know, last year it, it surpassed the offense. Uh, we all thought that offense would be ahead of the defense, but uh, under uh, the defense coordinator, uh, Brandon Fisher, who's the son of former Titans coach Jeff Fisher, uh uh, really surprised a lot of people and and played really w- well in, in, in spots uh, in long stretches, actually. Tissue put together a four-game uh, winning streak last year, and the defense was mostly responsible for that. This defense, uh, it, Brandon uh, Fisher was able to do that with what he told me with 12 or 13 starters. That sounds okay since you only play 11, but you got to have some depth. Mm-hmm. So he did that with no depth last year, and he's told me that uh, – with the trend, Eddie brought in about uh, 20 transfers, and many mm-hmm. of them, most of them were defensive players. So he helped uh, the defense out a lot. And Brandon's told me that uh, he's probably in the range of 20 to 22 starters now. Mm-hmm. So the defense is better. And as long as none of those injuries are, are nagging or uh, enough to cause anybody to miss playing time, they should be pretty good going into this game. Mm-hmm. And are there any guys in particular who you would expect to probably step up, uh, especially in the absence of a, of a James Green? I know, you know, to have two big D, D tackles up front, Teray Jones and uh, to Darius pa- uh, Patterson, it make life difficult for the offensive linemen. Both those guys receive all conference honors. So are those two probably the two biggest names that will need to step up? Yeah, both of those two, but the one to really keep an eye on is Kayvon Pope, who replaced uh, Green. Kayvon yes. Pope is a uh, uh, transfer from Ohio State, mm-hmm. Eddie's school, and uh, uh, played really well until he got thrown out for targeting mm-hmm. yeah. uh, last week. So, if and, and thrown out early, uh, so mm-hmm. that was another big loss for Tennessee State. Uh, we heard a lot about Kayvon in the uh, uh, camp and uh, – uh, he lived up to it at the early part of this game. But those three that you mentioned, along with Jayshon Bryant, who's uh, just a beast on defense for them, the captain, and uh, uh, just is so injury prone, uh, keep an eye on those four. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about some of the bright spots uh, from that EWU game earlier, but one of the areas of concern has to be the secondary. T- Tennessee State giving up 348 yards in the air. How much of a concern is the secondary for Coach George? Absolutely, the biggest, the number one concern, uh, biggest key in this game. They got no pressure. The the secondary uh, looked bad because, of, as you pointed out, but uh, much of that was uh, they just didn't get any pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they did early. Uh, before the players started getting hurt. But when okay. those players started getting hurt, they got no pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. This was a quarterback making his first start, uh, backed up the Walter Payton Award winner last year, so he didn't play much last year, hasn't played much in his career. And he absolutely just picked Tennessee State apart uh, in the secondary, but because he had so much time. That can't happen in this game. Uh uh, uh, they can't let Sanders have that kind of time. Uh, they did last year, uh, in, especially in the second half, and uh, he put up four touchdowns on them. Mm-hmm. So uh, 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 the secondary was, you know, yeah, it, it looked bad on paper, but a lot of that had to do with uh, 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 just letting the quarterback s- sit in the pocket. I mean, he just sat back there. It wasn't very mobile, and he just sit there and wait for somebody to get open. 
Mm-hmm. So eight Tennessee State players were selected to the 2022 All OVC preseason team, and your publication, the Tennessean, picked TCU to finish third in the OVC. So, what did you like about this team that led to that prediction? Well, the, the one one of the things we hinged it on was that the offense would be better. Uh, that speeding it up was a good idea. Getting out of the huddle was a good idea, but it hadn't proven itself yet. So that's why there was a little bit of hesitation on picking them that high. But after seeing the offense and how well it uh, uh, played, how it uh, clicked in that first game until it started making some silly penalties, it reverted back to making bad penalties like it did last year uh, and a a couple of back-to-back turnovers. we thought that the, that was the key and that that's what happened is uh, the offense was much improved. The defense played well again. Uh, and again, like I said, until the, the injuries hurt them. So that was the reason we, we felt like the Tennessee State could would probably finish in the top half and maybe give uh, the returning champion team Martin uh, uh, some trouble. Mm-hmm. And just talk about your thoughts on this Jackson State team. Obviously, you don't cover Jackson State, don't cover the SWAC. Technically, you don't cover uh, Tennessee State, at, at least not as the beat writer. But I know, you know, you have a pulse on what's going on. And I think everyone kind of around the country kind of saw that score from that Jackson State FAMU game, even if they didn't tune in. So just kind of what's the buzz? What's your perspective on this team that is much improved from last season? Yeah, it didn't surprise anybody from Tennessee State uh, what they did at FAMU. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, this this thing has, has flip-flopped. Tennessee State dominated the series for a long time mm-hmm. uh, in the Southern Heritage Classic, and it's gone completely the other way. Uh, what Dion has done has been amazing. Uh, he and Eddie have gone about their uh, building process, uh, building of a program in completely different ways. I talked to Eddie about that yesterday. Uh, Dion has done it high profile with a lot of flash and Eddie's done it kind of more under the radar, uh, but still trying to get there. But uh, Dion has gotten there in such a hurry uh, that it's got Tennessee state uh, as the underdog now trying to get back to where it was. And what Eddie's done has worked uh, with his way and uh, he's brought in a lot more talent and he's developed a lot of players. So, you know, I I still see uh, Jackson State as, uh, you know, head and shoulders above Tennessee State, but uh, not to the point where I, I don't think that Tennessee State couldn't pull an upset. Right, right. So, you know, we talk about Jackson State being a much improved ball club and, and Tennessee State as well. But I think one thing that, you know, probably goes unnoticed is just the growth and progression uh, for a head coach, especially one uh, going from their first year ever coaching into their second year. And I'm talking about Coach Eddie George. So what have you seen from him from a growth and progression standpoint? Any differences in, you know, his comfortability, his demeanor or his approach in year two? Well, the smart thing Eddie did uh, was that he surrounded himself with a staff that had eons of uh, 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 experience. Uh, Hugh Jackson was his offensive coordinator last year. Of course, he's now the head coach at Grambling. Uh, and he, he just uh, put a, he, he, he got a surround himself and he was also open to listen to his coaches. Okay. He, uh, he didn't, uh, rule with a, you know, a, a sledgehammer. He listened mm-hmm. to them. They, uh, any of the things they, they suggested, he didn't do everything they suggested, but he'd listen. Mm-hmm. He also had Jeff Fisher last year yeah. on his staff as a senior advisor. Uh, Jeff is now in the USFL, but he's there at every game and a couple of practices each week. Uh, so he's still around. And I think that's one of the smart things that Eddie's done. He's not let his ego get in his way of listening uh, to these to his assistants and uh, anybody else who is willing to offer him some uh, advice. So uh, I think that Eddie's developed some confidence 
uh, because, as you said, it, it never coached before. I uh, had been around football, of course, all his life, a lot of coaches, but it never coached for. And it's a, a completely different when you put that whistle around your mm-hmm. neck. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I just think he matured in that way and, and gained a lot of confidence and is still learning, but at least has a year now to fall back on. Sure, sure. And you mentioned Coach Hugh Jackson. Obviously, he's moved on to Gramlin. He became the head coach over there. I would imagine that's a big loss for you guys, just in, in specifically in terms of his experience and then his notoriety, which always helps with recruiting. I mean, he's doing some great things from a recruiting standpoint over at Gramlin, bringing in some big names, and he's all over on the West Coast bringing in kids. So let's talk about that transition for Tennessee State to a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, Theron Hatch took over and uh, very uh, upscale, uh, 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 high uh, 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 high energy. Uh, his offensive line coach is, uh, is even more higher energy than he is. So it's uh, a little bit more upbeat than Hugh was uh, mm-hmm. last year. Uh, Hugh had a, a pro-style offense. This is more of a college-style offense, which was needed that we felt like. Okay. Uh, obviously, Eddie felt like, and that's why he sped up the pace a lot. Uh, got, didn't go in the huddle hardly at all anymore. And that's what Atch was, uh, had done at Arizona, where he was wide receivers coach and in his time as a coordinator in the past. So it's a little bit different offense. Uh, it moves a lot quicker, and it keeps the defense off pace uh, uh, far more than the, the uh, uh, last year's unit did. Sure thing, sure thing. And obviously the, you know, the elephant in the room, this is the final game of the Southern Heritage Classic, at least for now, right? final yeah. game. Uh, there was some controversy behind it. Uh, we don't have to get into that, but just your thoughts, your personal thoughts on this series. I mean, uh, you've been right there, uh, you know, in, in covering Tennessee State or in Nashville, so you understand the, the history behind this series and uh, maybe the economic impact on the community and just the fact that it's ending. What are your personal thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, I'm a traditionalist. So I like to see things keep going on. But uh, <clears throat> Eddie talked about this yesterday, and he said, you know, if one in business, and Eddie's a business major, mm-hmm. uh, he, he said, if one side feels like the, the, there's, they're not getting out of the mm-hmm. uh, product what they want, then the, they need to move on. So he said he understands it from a business side. Tennessee State, <clears throat> as of now, <clears throat> will remain in the classic. Mm-hmm. Um not sure who the opponent will be going forward mm-hmm. uh, or if it will continue on. I, I'm just not sure. But, uh, you know, I'm sad to see it end uh, because there, there was a, a good series. Uh, I feel like both teams are, you know, high-profile HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Good to see them play. I'm hoping that uh, Eddie and Dion will find a way to, get to, to play again in the future uh, and get the series going again, even if it's just a home-and-home home every mm-hmm. few years. But I'd like to see that uh, – it's a spectacle, uh, you know, hundred to 200,000 people surrounding the stadium going in. I know Memphis is going to want to keep this going. And uh, so I, I think they'll do everything they can to find a worthy opponent and, and keep it going. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are looking forward to a big game, obviously, in its finale. Uh, Coach George, Coach uh, Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, obviously a lot of star power. A lot of eyes will be on this game. Huge for HBCUs, and we should anticipate a great time and great atmosphere as always. Mike, again, we appreciate your time. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're right here with Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club yet again. I hope this series continues not only for the, the game itself, but for the honor of speaking with Mike Oregon to preview the game in the future. Corey, thanks for having me. I always enjoy being on here with you. All right. Take care. All right. 
All right, and that'll do it for this episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcast users, Spotify video users. Make sure you rate and review the show. Everyone go follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. We are looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you downloading subscribing rating and reviewing the show and tell every tiger that you know we're on all podcast outlets apple podcast spotify video google podcast youtube and so on and we'll be posting each episode on our facebook and instagram pages everyone thanks for joining the i love go tigers without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.